President Xi Jinping of China finally came out of the thing this week, I think it was, where he just went, all right, we're playing, we're playing the entity list game, are we? He's got a Cockney accent. Yeah. <laughs> all right, mate. Are you, are you suggesting he's, I do a shit Chinese he's, accent? He's based I think, in Chinatown in London. I think in the current cultural climate, I don't think I could get away with that. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with it. He goes, he goes, all oh, right. tram, shut it. All right, all right, lads. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the telecoms.com podcast. I think it's been two months, so I'm really, really sorry. It's been a variety of reasons. Jamie cleared off to go and do PR for Vodafone. There's been all the lockdown and the coronavirus and all that sort of thing, and people have been on holiday, and there's been various other reasons why people haven't been able to make it. So this is the first time we've got our shit together enough (laughs) to come into the office, which, uh, you know... Is or, or even we haven't even done a Zoom call actually, have we? For about no, no. I think the last one was in the office. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, was yeah. the, it was Jamie's yeah. last one. Yeah. Um, and anyway, the office ones are much better yeah, if we yeah, can yeah. come in. But you know, who lo- who knows how long that's going to carry on as the government's threatening to lock down. Anyway, cheers, yeah, yeah. guys. So uh, good to be, back. to be back. Cheers. Oh, oh that was probably one of the ones that was in my bag, shaken up oh. on the train. Yeah, it's exploded here. No, they're all exploding. <laughs> So uh, I tell you what, talking about these beers, cheers. Um, I we've got eight in total, and you brought uh, six, and I originally brought three, but one of them just disappeared on the train. Oh, it must have fallen out. It's really weird. I mean, look, it definitely wasn't me drinking it because I wouldn't break the law by taking my mask off. No. So it just that, must have been one of those. Aren't you allowed mysterious... to drink and eat? Or, I don't or know. Smoke. Yeah, out the window. I don't know, but I'd like it to make it very clear to our to our law enforcement community, who seem to be much more concerned with nicking people for not wearing masks than solving actual crimes, that I definitely didn't drink that tin on the way down. <laughs> so uh, this, this will be scrutinised so, by yeah. Her Majesty's government, and mm. and, and then compared. I'll be looking at the video and seeing how my irises dilate. <laughs> Um, so that was all jolly good. So, I mean, obviously we're not going to recap two months' worth of stuff. Although, effectively we are, because I don't think much has really changed, has it? Mm. Um, same old stories. Same old stories. So, so we're going to start off with, you guessed it, Huawei. Start off with Huawei, latest developments on that. And then we're going to move on to, again, you guessed it, Open RAN. The latest development. These are just the mega trends of our industry, aren't they? And then the last one we're going to talk about is Mobile World Congress. Which is uh, obviously a, meg, a sort of mega event of our industry, but there's recent news about that. Mm-hmm. And um, just to remind you that, so just clearing a little little, little beer bubble there. I thought you would have forgotten. You about thought it. I was going to forget. Oh no, <laughs> I'm, I'm far too professional for that. So just to remind you that if you're watching this on Facebook or on YouTube, this is just hardwired into my head now. Yeah. Watching on Facebook, YouTube, or the site, you can also listen to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and loads of other podcasting platforms. Okay, so Huawei. So the real Huawei news for me is more to do with the US-China spat. So at some time between the last podcast and this, I believe, or maybe not, actually, it could have been all the way back in May, 
can't remember least track of time. I think it was before. Are you going to talk about the UK government ban? Or? No, I was going to talk about the the US raising the stakes. No, that was more recent. So, well, they've done a couple of things recently, haven't they? Because they they already had that sanctions, but then it seemed to get tightened up even more. It got to tightened up. Them basically, more got put. Yeah, yeah more yeah. got put on the NC list. And, I didn't um, really understand the distinction. I have to say, with those latest sanctions, because I never thought there was a in the original ones there was a, there was a kind of thing about generics are okay, but stuff that's designed and customized. So, where my understanding of where um, they ran it more was very specifically on the semiconductor side. Right. They were trying to cl- close loopholes on the semi. So clearly, the US strategy is to drive Huawei smartphones out of business. Well, that, some people that, still think that it isn't. That's the interesting well, thing. Well, I don't see which is a every every act itself. it's done seems pointed in that direction. Um, because this latest one was saying... Only smartphones, though, not other bits of the Huawei business. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's very specifically directed at silicon uh, uh, chips. Yeah. Um, and specifically, but but also they're also used in some parts of the network. Yeah, understood. And and, and, the, and the whole campaign in terms of five G being, you know, Huawei's five G being bad seems to be very network oriented. You know, and less sort of totally, totally. But but this chip assault, my assessment of it is it's quite smartphone focused. Yeah, because I, I don't know, I don't know much about the chips they use in their networking gear, but I suspect they are a bit easier to get hold of equivalent versions of. Whereas, you know, smartphones are basically a semiconductor arms race. Each new generation of a smartphone's got a faster, better chip I in mean, it. I mean, the TSMC supplies a lot of that stuff that gets used apparently in their 5G radio gear, as well as servers that they use in the sort of enterprise yeah. market. And everything I've read and have sort of tried to cover over the last few months has been, you know, the... the, the analysts that I've spoken to have said, yes, they can get, you know, they might be able to get alternatives to that. But they're not going to be able to get stuff that's as good, basically. That those restrictions that cut TSMC out of the picture. Yeah. And and pretty yeah, much I, I everybody seems to rely on American chip making equipment. So you'd be yes. falling back on stuff that's really quite substandard, I think. Well, so, so. that's what they really re-emphasized with this latest one, is that um, you can't even buy any products where anything involving US intellectual property has been involved in the making of it. Yeah. So like the the most well-known maker of the kind of really pricey kit that goes in chip fabs is Applied Materials. Yeah. And so you can't... The US is now saying if any chip has been made with any Applied Materials kit, then then that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't count. And I think that was... But that, but that was May, if I remember right. Yeah, but they've they kind of re-emphasised it. Since then, I'm not sure what loopholes there, there yeah, were in yeah. there. So I agree. We were writing about TSMC um, distancing themselves from Huawei back in May. Um, I think one of the things is um, SMIC. Yeah. Well, there's, there's even a specific campaign against SMIC now, yes, isn't there? Yes, there is. Where they're, yeah. on, they're, on the, they're on the kind of shit list. That's one of our... List, I got told off for putting shit list in a story. Did you? Someone said, I, you know, I appreciate your perspective. I think this is about a thing that's coming up to do with China making its own one. Um, and he said, I, you know, I really appreciate the story. It's great insight, but I, but I don't appreciate you putting the word S apostrophe apostrophe T in it in the comments. And why, I, why are people so prudish these days? I don't know. I, I read George Orwell bad recently. people list. <laughs> this is a total tangent, but yeah. I read uh, Down and Out in Paris and London. Oh, right. I've never read that. I'm, and uh, there's a, a whole George section on This is written in the 1930s. There's a whole bit about use of the word fuck by the English working classes. Right. And Pierre, Pierre's going to bleep that now, but maybe not because it's all Will that said he's, it. So, he's only on and, about a 50% success rate And he was saying there'll, there'll come a time when the word fuck is used in polite conversation and it's, yes. not, it's not considered to be... Whereas it's beyond the pale anymore. back in the 30s. This is presumably. almost 100 years ago, you've got to think now. You know, It was and, the equivalent of today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> 
Pierre just been telling me not to say that word. <laughs> um, so, uh, where, where, where? oh yes. Um, you got in trouble for using the word shitless. Oh yeah, and anyway, I, I just had to summon all my reserves of maturity to not just put underneath it shit. <laughs> um, and in the end, I just went, oh well, oh, one, one out of two ain't bad. Uh, well, you know, I don't want to be... I don't want to be hostile to yeah. to people who comment on my stories unless they start it. And even then, I try not to be dragged in. Um, but, yes, I was tempted to just be really childish, but I, <laughs> I resisted. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, so yeah, so there's, there was the, that SMIC bit of news. And the way I editorialised that was just... Yeah, and all of this, by the way, is said without passing any judgment, ultimate judgment on the validity of the US action against China. We all know China has, has got up to no good in, back in the day. Yeah, um, We all know they're as fiercely competitive as any country in the world and will do what it takes to prevail. Um, I'm, I'm making no moral judgment or even quali- qualitative judgment one way or the other, but it did strike me as absurd that a Chinese semiconductor company has to apply for US permission yeah. to supply a Chinese vendor. And, and also, why would it necessarily... Because I remember um, a, f- a few weeks ago, before the latest closing of the loopholes happened, some analysts were saying, well, maybe SMIC... Because apparently SMIC uses American equipment, yeah. uh, applied materials, I d- like I don't think research, you can get around whichever it. one it yeah. was. Teradyne is another one. I don't know which one it is. But anyway, people were saying, well, SMIC just might not follow the, the US... I mean, they've probably got installed equipment they can carry on using. Now, okay, I guess in future, maybe Applied Materials or whoever their supplier is isn't going to isn't going to supply to them the latest gear. But, it's also interconnected. But why would they necessarily just go? Oh, because we're using this bit of design tooling or whatever it yeah. is. We're going to stop supplying Huawei as a Chinese company. Why would they do that? I don't. Like, presumably because they're they're afraid of having similar uh, sanctions that have been laid on Huawei thrown at them. But what, what else could the? I mean, that's already happened, though, hasn't it? In in a way, with the. Well, no, but they could make it specifically now. No one's allowed to go within ten miles of SMIC, no matter what. Right. Yeah. There's no. There's so no, they've just got. They've just got so much power in in the market, the US, that they're yeah. able to. And uh, I, I, wield it like a. And that's why I feel like they're kind of overplaying it. I don't like. You know, if I was forced to choose between Team US and Team China, I'd probably pick Team US because they're Anglophone. We've got more culturally in common. A bunch of dictators, and yeah, and and because they have, uh, I suppose, for want of a better word, the democracy. Although, Not a good one. Although that's a bit of a shit show <laughs> at the moment, that's for sure. But you know, they haven't got a guy like she who's just come up and gone. Yeah, look, I'm in charge forever, so just shut yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, that's never a good thing. It didn't work out well in the past. No, it's it's, it's never a, it's never a great thing, except for the for the lad himself. Um, so yeah, I'd have to pick one, but I I do think that it's not healthy for any one country, no matter who it is, to just be able to go to any other company in the world and go right, we're just closing you down. Yeah, yeah. It seems thing, very unilateral. The very thing that absolute. confuses me about what's going on at the moment is this: these reports, and we covered this because I, I, I did get confirmation from Intel this morning actually about. Um, getting a license to allow it as a sort of way around the latest um, regulations. So it it basically means they... So as far as I'm aware, Intel mainly sells um, certain semiconductors that are used in servers that Huawei makes under its Xeon brand. Yeah. 
Um, so it's not really, not really maybe to, much to do with the smartphone business. Certainly all, not. Which is, well, which is not where Intel you, plays. I could, I could spend a whole there. podcast telling you how yeah. rubbish Intel and are. And maybe not much to do with the network equipment market either. It's probably more the sort of enterprise stuff. Yes, that servers. Say, which is definitely. a relatively small part of Huawei's but it's, business. But we're getting towards like Mobile Edge and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, and, and I, I, I'm sort of... And I know there are some analysts who still... So when the SMIC um, stuff came out, that they were putting that on the naughty list... I remember there's a guy called Richard Windsor who's an analyst with um, a company called Radio Free Mobile. Yeah, I think that's his it's, own it's his thing, thing. He's, 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 he's mainly well-known to people in the industry because he used to work for Nomura oh, okay. uh, a few years ago and was very, very well-respected. Well oh, so he's proper, he's proper sort of equity guy, analyst really kind of guy. Stuff. Right. And his, his view in this, yeah, piece his wrote, this blog he wrote about SMIC, which included Huawei in it, is that he doesn't think the US goal is to, is to drive Huawei or SMIC out of business. He thinks he still sees all of this as a kind of, you know, a bit of leverage, a bit of sort of exerting pressure. Yeah, I think he's right. I think he's right. But, the the, but, but they, if you're going to make a threat, it has to be a specific threat. You can't just say or else. And, yeah. the, and the or else in this case is or else we drive their smartphone business into the ground. But they're, but they're not, you know... There's no sign so far that that they're, that they're getting something out of China on the trade front. In fact, no, but that's another matter. Driving them the other way, and yet and yet they've gone and and and, and issued a license to Huawei. To, sorry, not to Huawei, to Intel. That means business as usual, which to me seems quite odd, given that you look at how sort of unambiguously aggressive they've been in terms of the restrictions this year. And, I, and I've been writing stories saying clearly the purpose is to finish Huawei off, if possible. Well, the purpose is to have the threat. The, yeah. the the demonstrable threat of finishing off their smartphone business, but with the Intel thing, I mean, don't don't underestimate the power of lobbying from within. Yeah, I guess. So Intel will be lob- lobbying like crazy, and, and saying, I, you know, you're robbing us of a ton of cash here. Well, this is I mean, my my take on it to to some extent. I said one one sort of maybe cynical interpretation is that the US has thought well. The, the bigger picture is not going to change things, you know, just because Intel's selling a few sort of server chips to to uh, Huawei and its extra business while while Huawei has to deal with all this other shit we've thrown its way, we can still carry on supporting a company like Intel and it, and it carries on yeah. doing business as normal. But it's inconsistent. It's very it's inconsistent, piecemeal. But, but that's the Trump way, isn't it? He just makes stuff yeah. up on the fly. Yeah, maybe there isn't a broader strategy. Maybe, you're, maybe no. you can overthink How much things. evidence have you ever seen of Trump having a, much of a strategy about anything other than, you know, what he is famously is a tough negotiator and I think that's hard to yeah. argue with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a real test of all this sanction stuff will be not so much Intel, but whether Qualcomm gets a license. Yeah, yeah. Because um, if Qualcomm gets a license, then Huawei's still in the in the flagship smartphone game yeah. because the latest Snapdragons are as good as as their Kirins. But not in but not in the network game, presumably, if as much if these. Because yeah. it, it still seems that they have that big issue with with trying to find an alternative to TSMC, which is already yeah. which is already stopped. And they make their own network it. chips, like like Nokia tries to. Well, well, the way I understand that it works is Huawei designs Huawei's silicon subsidiary, which is called High Silicon. High Silicon, yeah, yeah. Basically designs um, designs the chips, yeah, and then the, the manufacturer of them gets outsourced to TSMC. Yeah, that's how it works. Generally. Which contributes a bit of its own expertise because it has these manufacturing processes that are very sophisticated, which are usually measured in nanometers. I think it's that's down right. to like seven nanometers. Now everybody says that with um, uh, you know if they had to shift to an to an alternative like SMIC, one of the problems is that they're just not quite sophisticated yeah. on that front. 
Yeah, those um, those manufacturing processes are the arms race of silicon because uh, they, they, they basically use, determine they how many equipment. transistors you can cram onto one exactly. given bit of yeah. wafer. And, and, and the trouble is that the higher the number goes, basically what it means is that your gear is not quite as efficient, not quite as capable. Yeah, so it's not as competitive. Yeah, and, th- and then they're going to lose position in the market anyway because which operator, regardless of regardless of government pressure or what's happening on the geopolitical front. When operators look at which vendors to choose, they go, we want power-efficient stuff. We want things that are... It's to some extent, I just still don't... And I don't know the answer to this, but I'm throwing it out there. I know that in mobile, um, the manufacturing process is a massive advantage because in mobile, yeah. you've got very constrained space. You've got very constrained um, uh, available power. Uh, and you've also got a great need to minimise heat output. Yeah. All those... Three reasons are the main reasons why Intel was never going to be able to hack it with x86 as opposed to ARM microarchitecture in in mobile because it was just too hot and power inefficient. Um, So you'd end up with a phone that the battery would last a couple of hours and it would burn a hole in your ass. Yeah. Another. And uh, no, it's the same in network equipment, as right? Far as, as far as from talking, so to that's people, what I was going to guess. I mean, it's is, not quite the same, but right. basically, that nanometer thing translates into performance um, issues, higher weight for base, all things like that. Basically, so the key, key KPIs that an operator is going to look at and say, this is going to, it's basically going to drive up your costs. It's going to lower your performance if you can't get the most sophisticated okay, manufacturing. Well, here's processes. a thought, though. I know we've done podcasts in the past noting how Nokia hasn't been quite as good as network at networking silicon as it would like. Yeah. But it's still all right at it, and it's one of the few specialists out there. So theoretically, whether or not this would ever happen, Nokia could sell its networking chips to Huawei because Nokia's Finnish. But, but then I, they'd probably find some way of going, yeah, but the bloke who made the chips once had a McDonald's and that's an American restaurant, so you I can't do I don't know do if it. they make them either, though. Aren't they in the same situation as Huawei? They're not a fab, are they? They're not... I think they... they, they okay, yeah, no, made, they, no, they, they design don't. stuff. Yeah, and then And enough. then they have contract manufacturers making it. Or they, they... I mean, they get the FPGAs that they were using in... Uh, right, so you still hit that fab bottleneck. Was, Good point, yeah. And I think the same goes for Ericsson. They they rely on sort of yeah. There's no one. There's no one who has their own fabs except uh, Samsung and Intel. Everyone yeah. else is fabulous. Everyone else has yeah. to go through TSMC or Global yeah. Foundries or, or whatever. Or SMIC, or SMIC, or have you, how yeah. it's pronounced or whatever. SMIC, I like that. SMIC to its mates. Yeah. Um, and so, so people have been saying Samsung could be an alternative for uh, Huawei. Yeah. To, but then they'll still to use applied materials gear. And it's also they will, and also it seems like they do so much work in the US that they wouldn't want to sort of risk aggravating the US, from what I've been told. But. Well, quite. So I, that's you know that's the the long and short of it is the US can claim through its general tech sector preeminence to shut down anyone any time. Um, and then, you know, I'll move it on because uh, Pierre's got a hard cut off. He's got grown-up stuff to do. Um, the uh, President Xi Jinping of China finally came out of the thing this week, I think it was, where he just went, all right, we're playing, we're playing the entity list game, are we? He's got a Cockney accent. He's like, <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. Are you, are you suggesting he's, I do a shit Chinese he's, accent? He's based I think, in Chinatown in London. I think in the current cultural climate, I don't think I could get away with that. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with it. He goes, he goes, all right. Tram, shut it. All right, all right lads. <laughs> you fucking map it. His Chinese accent is the equivalent of that. There we accent. are. Give yeah. a Gary yeah. Ritchie. 
Yeah, whatever a really strong Beijing accent is, <laughs> that's what he's got. Um, and uh, so yeah, he's just he's just come out with with his own list. Um, and I got someone on Twitter appreciated my first line of it, where I said she's making a list, checking it twice. Um, but that's what it is, and and it's very vague. They've just come out. Their announcement came out with all these things of, you know, the usual pious. We reserve the right to protect our security and our interests and all that sort of thing. Real boilerplate stuff. Yeah. Um, and then some stuff about you know this is how you might end up on the list. But the long and short of it was we can stick anyone on the list we want. Uh, they didn't name any companies. They didn't name any countries. But I don't think you've got to be the biggest conspiracy theorist in the world to uh, to think some US companies like to find themselves on the list. Maybe Apple? Well, that would be the killer. Mm. I think that would be the WMD option. Yeah. Um, second might be Qualcomm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Apple's market in China is colossal. Massive, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be too bad for them, yeah. Yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a nightmare for them. I mean, it certainly wouldn't kill them because Apple's just got so much money. Yeah, but it'd, but it'd you know, cut them down to size quite yeah. a bit, wouldn't it? Tim Cook would just be like, oh, just... Go get a, get a box of money out <laughs> to see us going. Do you know what? I don't know what it is. They've got they've got more cash in reserve than than the GDP of most companies. I can't countries. understand. I mean, it's, we're getting off topic here, but I still can't understand how they how they do it year after year, personally. But uh, I, I say that as an Apple customer. So well, it's the margins. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the margins on other phone the, the the price of other phones have caught up, but for a while. Uh, certainly, when I was a smartphone analyst, an uh, iPhone cost about a couple hundred quid more than the equivalent sort of uh, flagship Samsung. Yeah, and that was all profit <clears throat> because the Samsung. Yeah, you know, we, we did we did a uh, we did a, a sort of estimate yeah. or a calculation of profit versus the estimated bill of materials and cost of sales and all that sort of thing, and basically everyone else was on single figures percent profit. And Apple was on, you know, fifty percent. No, probably yeah. not that high. Let's say thirty percent. Yeah. So, and they owned something like ninety-five percent of all the profit made by all the smartphones was just Apple. Bloody hell. So basically, you know, just to to close the tangent, it's because they've got their own ecosystem, their own operating system, their their own uniqueness that they can charge that premium, and of course, the brand itself. Mm-hmm. I'll let you Apple fanboys decide whether you think that premium is justified. And like I said, the other guys have sort of caught up a little bit. Yeah. But um, people still, people still. I mean, they've jacked up the prices of their, you know, um, MacBooks and all that lot recently. I know. And people mm. still go out and buy them. So. Yeah, I just bought my dad one. It wasn't cheap. God, they've cost a fortune. I wanted to get another one because my, yeah. my old one's seven years old, doesn't really work very well anymore. But Absolute entry level, so, pikey version is a grand. 1200, yeah. Yeah. You can refurbish one for a grand that are MacBook Pros. Yeah, I just couldn't be bothered. Uh, you know, it might have been shit. Anyway, um, you know, at least if it's new, you've got a direct sort of umbilical link to Apple where you can have. No, some refurbished by Apple is what I mean. Yeah, that's the same thing. And and I bet they they'll still take you to the cleaners. Anyway, Hello. that's what they do. Um, okay, and uh, so yes, yeah, so that was that was all the Huawei ness. But the only. The only other sort of Huawei thing, I'm just checking the most read stories in the last week or so for us, is I wrote one, just a bit of journalism about Chinese con- consumers reportedly rushing to buy Huawei phones while they still can. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the amount of interest that got makes me su- suggest that there's probably something in it. Mm. So, you know, there is going to come a time. Huawei can't 
Can't produce its own Kirin chips because of the TSMC thing. Can't buy Qualcomm chips. Can't even buy MediaTek chips. Yeah. Looks like can't even use SMIC to have a go at making maybe some some two-year-old Kirin chips. So it stands to reason, however much they've stockpiled, that they're going to run out of yeah. chips. Yeah. And and without a chip, it's just a brick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe they can move into the bricks business. You could build a house with Huawei phones or something. Brick lane. People do with Lego, you know. Hey, yeah. use Huawei phones. if you could build a house with a th- only made of Nokia's thirty-three tens, that'd be a tough house. It'd be yeah. people would like it from a design perspective. Yeah, but but it make it into magazines. Um, oh, the only other thing worth mentioning is they they just did a they've just done one of their events Huawei Connect. And they were basically sort of trying to sound a defiant note. But the biggest thing they were calling on is just basically saying to their partners, look, hanging in there. Right. Don't abandon us. It's Which, getting a bit desperate, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was sympathetic when I wrote that, put, putting myself in their position. What else can they say? Yeah. I don't think it serves their purposes to be too overtly belligerent to the states. No. Um, leave that to she, who, who actually has gone quiet on all that, except for this list. Um, but he hasn't specifically mentioned the US. So anyway, that's it. All right, we better move it on anyway. Um, Ian. Yeah. So yes, we've got our new dialogue format. I know. Well, there's that the elephant in the room. Now and how already? Yeah, the elephant in the room that isn't Jamie. So uh, I'll pass the ball back to you. You have been writing a lot about Open RAN for a change. Yeah, (laughs) I was writing a lot about Open RAN, but there's always stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So give us a lowdown. I mean, I suppose a lot of it's driven by. news from Rakuten over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're increasingly sort of um, having press conferences, actually, you know, and uh, trying to get news out there. They're really sort of leading the charge and all of that. And whenever whenever they have something to say, it's always linked to Open RAN because they, they yeah. have this claim that they have the first sort of commercial Open RAN deployment in, in the world in a, in a kind of, you know, developed market that's, and that's quite advanced life. and yeah. quite sort of... Um, quality sensitive as well I think the Japanese market you know there's been a lot of skepticism among some analysts that they can really really succeed there because by quality sensitive you mean among the consumers yeah so so Japanese consumers as I understand it are, are less sort of worried about price and more sort of concerned about having something that's really top notch and works and gives you the latest and greatest right sort of performance yeah, characteristics that, that, and that's consistent a hard, with how i'd assume the japanese that's a really is. hard environment to make open ran work in because you know if you talk to pretty much anybody who knows about you know mobile technology and networks and how it works they they, they all sort of say it's a couple of generations behind still it's still got things to prove and you know yeah um but it Obviously, is, it is unproven I mean, by by definition well i think forgive me if i'm wrong because i'll certainly defer to your greater expertise on this matter but i didn't think we'd think we thought Open RAN would be sort of uh, commercial grade yet, did we? Well, they so they they claim to have it. I mean, they've launched services in April. Yeah, yep. which is slightly have, surprising, is my point. Yeah, and they now have uh, a million plus subscribers. They say, um, which is maybe not as good as. I mean, they haven't done what Reliance Geo did in India, where it launched and all of a sudden it was on its way to becoming one of the top you know, yeah op- i mean they're still quite a long way behind the three incumbents but yeah but well, they haven't been given a leg up by the government to two expectations they right. haven't been given a leg up by the government as far as i'm aware they haven't sort of i mean i think the government's quite excited about what they're doing potentially because they're using and one of the things they're doing is is using japanese um equipment makers that haven't really been 
the most prominent firms internationally for the last sort of decade or so. And they're kind of giving these companies an opportunity to, you know, come into the Rakuten network and then um, maybe, you know, because people are looking at what Rakuten's doing and, and they're looking for open round as an alternative to, to what's happened for the last 10, 15 years. Why don't we why don't we go for some of the same suppliers as well? And if they can prove themselves there, then maybe they could work in in the US or, yeah. or Europe. So NEC and Fujitsu are now start, starting to become we talked about this before, but they're starting to become options, it seems, elsewhere. Right. But I mean the big thing about their latest um updates has been very much on that sort of international expansion front. They're not trying to be an operator in other markets, but they're trying to license their they're sort try, of yeah, cleverness. they're trying to sort of they're pitching themselves, they're using this this unvendor. Yes, which, 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 which they haven't actually. Ledger. In fairness to them, they've not gone out with a big campaign with press releases calling themselves the unvendor. But it is an expression that with wild-eyed, crazy-haired yeah, evangelists. Exactly, it is an expression that Tarek Amin's used a couple of times, and he's obviously taken inspiration from T-Mobile with its whole un- uncarrier thing. You know, do do that role, but try and differentiate mm. yourself from the guys that are already there. So they've set up this system they're calling the Rakuten Communications Platform. Which, as I understand it, is, is it's like a sort of storefront that you can go to as an operator and you can sort of pick and choose some of the tools that Rakuten is using in its in its domestic deployment. Yeah. Um, automation tools. Core Which is supposed to be features. what OpenRAN's all about. Exactly. It? And and OpenRAN itself is heavily software based. So so this is the thing this week is that Altia Star, which is the OpenRAN software company that um, Rakuten's using, it it also happens to be uh, a company that Rakuten owns a majority stake in. Um, is now a part of the um, it's now a part of the Rakuten Communications platform. It wasn't before. Okay. Um, so you can ba- before it was sort of core network features, I think, and automation stuff and orchestration okay. things. Now the idea is that you can also get your radio access network stuff from this this um, platform as well. So I'm guessing how it would work is that. You know, if you're an operator building an open RAN network, you could go to Rakuten, yeah, take off the peg, take the Altistar software through this RCP. By the, I mean, the hardware side is obviously different. You can't, you can't yeah. get that stuff. You but know, that's that supposed way. to be commoditized. But it's supposed isn't it? to be commoditized, so that then it runs off off the hardware you're installing. And hey, presto, a few clicks of a yeah, button. So, and you're the, up and so run. the whole point, my understanding of the whole point of open RAN was to create. Well, it was, it was two main points. Leaving aside the the threat that it poses to. Uh, yeah, I've got this this hemisphere here, mate. I'm gonna I'm gonna crack into a hemisphere actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all right. Good good call. You bought that. Um, I like the way they call them session IPA. I yeah, you can have slightly weaker. You can have more than one or two without <laughs> collapsing into the gutter. Um, is uh, it's just basically creating that sort of virtualized thing that has been the case in normal IT for a while. So you don't no one gives no one gives a toss who the vendors are within a data center. Yeah. Um, those are just racks and racks and racks of, of servers um, that may or may not use may may not use Intel or AMD or even ARM architecture chips. You know, that's where NVIDIA's been doing really well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how I feel, but um, a nod to the fact that NVIDIA wants to buy ARM is an interesting um, angle on that. Uh, and and then yeah, it's just it's just the software over that. It just needs to be able to host the software. And then the software itself has to obviously be standardised such that it can interact with all other software. And then you just get this, you get this off the peg marketplace where yeah. you can, you know, I'm sure it's a lot more complicated than this. You go right, I want more of this, less of that. 
mix and match, yep. throw it all in, Bob's your uncle, sort of thing. And that seems to be what this, what, what Rakuten's sort of taking it upon itself to present to the market. Is that correct? It is. It is. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm sceptical of the, the whole sort of RPC, RCP rather proposition to some extent. Okay. Um, partly from kind of talking to a couple of people about Gabriel Brown is a heavy reading analyst. Um, remember chatting to him about it. He's been on the pod. When, yeah, so they so they they've had two big announcements in the last couple of weeks. They had one where where they sort of announced that Altiostar would become a part of RCP, um, and what what triggered that to some extent was uh, their relationship with an Indian systems integrator called Tech Mahindra, okay, yeah. uh, which we used to own a stake. I've interviewed in, them at Mobile Congress a few times. Yeah, and they're big. They're big in the market. They, yeah, they have a big presence. But they've um, they've basically sold. They they used to own a stake in Altiostar as well. They've sold that to. Uh, Rakuten, uh-huh. um, which Rakuten on the call said was that their sort of rationale for that was that they needed to have control of Altiostar to be able to put it in RCP. And from Tech Mahindra's perspective, it's not giving up on Altiostar. What Tech Mahindra's doing is it's becoming a reseller of the RCP platform. So RCP is something that they would also be able to promote yes. themselves, which is significant because they have such a big established footprint with telcos around the world something yeah. something Rakuten doesn't have I'm guessing to so the same basically extent. they've got they've got well in there with a really big so, system so they've got integrator really, recently yeah they've got so not only is Tech Mahindra now a big part of RCP that you have the you have the ability to go and and, and, and use Tech Mahindra as a systems integrator they're also actually reselling yeah. the RCP platform so they're They've attached themselves to this system that is using Altiostar technology. And the other announcement they had was with Telefonica, where they've basically announced this procurement deal with Telefonica, and they're they're kind of pooling open round resources. Which I interpreted as Telefonica hanging on to Rakuten's Very much so, I think. Yeah, I think Telefonica said, look, Rakuten's doing quite well here. Yeah, we'll have some of that. We'll have some of that, yeah. Yeah. That where where I find the the sort of RCP thing where I'm I'm a bit sceptical is um, that... RCP wasn't really a part of the announcement with Telefonica, but it was shunted into the bottom of the press release. I noticed. It okay. Was, you know, there, there were four elements to the memorandum of understanding that the two we love companies those MOUs. did. And then there's this sort of one sentence at the bottom of the press release saying, "Oh, and Telefonica is also we, we're also like interested just in getting Telefonica to use RCP." Yeah. Um, and the other thing was uh, Dish Network did a deal quite recently for its core 5G core. With Nokia, as it happens. Yes. Now you'd have expected that some of that stuff would have come through um, through Rakuten and RCP. I mean, we yeah, know because we've no dishes. Dish is about. very much looked yeah. to uh, Rakuten as a kind of example of where to go and what How to, to do. do. Yeah. And yet, when I spoke to Gabriel Brown, he was saying, "Well, you know, it seems that pretty much all the stuff they're getting on the core has come through Nokia. It looks right. like a bit of a setback for RCP." I mean, talking to Rakuten this week, it's very clear they haven't got any customers yet for right. RCP. Um, they don't, so there's lots of press releases and big there's talk. Lots of press releases. Now, that's fair enough because it's early days and, and they're only just starting off. They're trying to publicise it. You know, They're trying to prove that things work in Japan and then they go to market and make a bigger push. But um, Gabriel was saying you know, he's quite sceptical that big operators would necessarily want to buy a lot of this stuff from another operator anyway. Well, that was always... Yeah, uh, I, I agree with Gabriel on that. It was always a, a question yeah. mark, wasn't it? And then I think my issue with it is you know, if you're promoting Open Run as a kind of... You know, it's not just open ran even. It's just this idea that the the te- technology ecosystem, the telecom network e- ecosystem, needs to become more open, and there's less vendor lock in. Yeah. And we don't get these sort of mini group. You know, these mini ecosystems silos. within an e- these yeah. silos. 
RCP almost seems to be yeah, yeah. a silo within you. that. You know, I mean, the very fact that they own a stake in Altiostar now means they have a vested interest in promoting totally. Altiostar over companies that compete against Altiostar, like Mavenir and Parallel conflict Wireless. Of interest. There's a massive conflict of interest. And if you're selling RCP as this big sort of open RAN um, uh, deal, it isn't really. It's just Altiostar stuff, you know? Um, and I, talk, I, I reached out to Mavenir and Parallel Wireless about this and haven't actually had official comments from them on the record, but I did get a statement from Parallel Wireless that they're a little bit dubious about the whole Tech Mahindra selling its... I mean, tech, one of right. the issues with Tech Mahindra is apparently in the past, Parallel Wireless has had you know things lined up and Tech Mahindra has been the big systems integrator on that project. And it said, we don't want to work with Parallel Wireless. Yeah. We want to work with Altiostar. And so we're getting, back to, the we're getting back to vendor lock-in again, just through another route. Exactly. And and, and the person at Parallel, uh, Parallel Wireless that I've been sort of collaborating, one of the press spokespeople there, said, well, we're, we're not completely convinced that just because they're selling their stake in Altiostar, they're, they're a reseller, you know, of the Altiostar system, essentially. Yeah. So they don't look as though they've become very agnostic. As they no, and... Say. and you, you know, you look at the coincidence of them selling it and then them becoming some kind of tier one VAR yeah. for it. You know, it, it makes you feel like it's part of the deal, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I think the only way that Rakuten's going to prove that it isn't that, that it isn't this sort of, you know, mini ecosystem that's all about Rakuten's preferred partners and companies that it owns, which is very nice for Rakuten if it can go and sell this around the world, obviously. The only way it's going to uh, address that is if someone like Mavenir on Parallel Wireless gets included in RCP as well. And if you're coming to it, you have the yeah. option of using one of several competitors. Of course, and everyone else. And who... they, they've denied on the call when I asked Tara Kimmin about it. They said it's not a closed ecosystem. It's very much about getting other companies mm, in. Which they would. So, so they would say that, and, but w w it remains to be seen. Well, let's does. see. And, Prove it then. And the, only, and the trouble is, the fact they have a stake in Altiostar, there's a conflict, like you just said, there's a conflict of interest. They'd have to buy Mavenir and Parallel Wireless and put them in RCP for it to look like a level playing field. So I think, yeah, and so, so moral of the story is that's the way the way business works is it's, it's not purely meritocratic. Companies are always going to look to create sort of advantages, asymmetries, certain ways in which the market is sort of obliged to go with them. Yeah. You know, we were talking about Apple earlier. I mean, I think they've done it. You know, while you could criticise them for value of money, they've done it in quite an open way. They've said, they said, we think we're better than everyone else, we think our platform's better than everyone else, and we're going to charge accordingly. And then people like you and Pierre make your value for money choice, and that's absolutely fine. But then when you get sort of near monopolies, which Apple certainly doesn't have, it's got plenty of competitors in every space it works in, um, or actually, except for... Well, you, you, Apple does have a near monopoly when it comes to... Uh, with Google, they've got a duopoly on, on digital platforms, which is another story, which maybe we'll talk about in another pod. Yeah. But that's interesting. But they're all aspiring to this point where customer choice is limited because when this is just basic Adam Smith stuff. When customer choice is limited, you can charge a premium. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way things are always going. That's why we have to have regulation. Sometimes, you know, I'll get people going, well, I thought you were free market. You know, I thought you were all laissez-faire, survival of the fittest, law of the jungle. Yeah. No. Again, back to Adam Smith, he was one of the first people to say overtly the only way the free market works is with regulation because if you give people half the chance, they'll fuck everyone else over. Yeah, That's just human nature. Um, so, yes. I, and so without casting any aspersions or 
allegations at Rakuten, they're going to naturally... And you, another thing people forget about companies or any organisations is consists of individuals who are all put on little micro-incentives, which are normally commercial. So there's an overwhelming cultural incentive to create beneficial commercial circumstances for yourself in order to hit your numbers yeah. and all that sort of thing. So, of course, they're going to naturally gravitate towards having this um, recruiting system be not closed, but certainly more constrained than the 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 spirit of Open RAN is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and, and you know, I'm... A, I, I applaud what they've what they're trying to do, and obviously Tarika means a very well respected guy. They're an exciting organisation, but I, I think this RCP stuff for me, it's just, you know, I mean, the kind of open standard. You know, if they can package up Altiostar software and sell that through RCP, and then it really works in the way that you you know you buy any hardware and this stuff works on it, that's great. That's 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 sort of a validation of the fact that these open you know open RAN specifications you know are working really because that's the only way it could you know that's the only way it could work is if there's some kind of standardized system where out of the box it's software is going to work with anybody's hardware but if you if your only choice for software is altiostar through rcp then yeah you know you, but that, i think in- that will make rcp a failure because i think sooner or later you know as is may, as maybe you were inferring with dish Sooner or later, um, people will go, well, do you know what? We won't bother then. Yeah, well, they're, they're all just going to be, unless operators are all going to become carbon copies of, of Rakuten using exactly yeah. the same which vendors, is which, which is hardly a competitive market, is it? <laughs> so, okay, yeah. we'd better, we better move that one along because um, we're coming up to the hour. So, uh, Mobile Congress. So I wrote about this yesterday. I presume you did or, mm. or someone on light reading did. I, I wrote about it and I referred back to your original oh, story you? on the 20% redundancy stuff that you Oh, right, you back scooped, in the day. Even though Bloomberg claimed to have scooped it um, yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was, a, that was a funny thing by itself. I definitely did scoop it. Yeah. And then suddenly Bloomberg wrote a story. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to point any fingers, but it's funny how Bloomberg suddenly got that you story. Here first, folks. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, you, you've, got to, you've got to sort of acknowledge a scoop, and, and that was not acknowledging a scoop. And, no, I um, mean, if I had to guess, I would say that someone within the GSMA just went, you know... Oh, telecoms.com's got it. We better give it to other people now as well. Or something. Well, yeah, and also, you know, I, I don't think I've necessarily made too many allies around people I write about because yeah. of the style of my writing. So I would imagine they'd think, okay, if Scott's going to go with it, God knows what crazy shit he's going to come up with. Let's at least try and channel it through a more respectable <laughs> Maybe they title. Thought that. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to, I don't want in any way diss the journalist who wrote it up. I bumped into him back in the day. He used to just be a, a regular jobbing yep. tech journalist. Yep. But yeah, maybe they wanted, maybe they wanted some control. God knows. This is all speculation. I yep. don't know anything about it. But anyway, yeah. So thanks for referring to that. And so this particular time, the announcement is that uh, Mobile Congress, which is going to be the first week of March, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah it's always late February, early March. Yeah. 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 Um, they've postponed it till the end of June. Yeah. Uh, and they've, they've almost swapped one show with yeah with Shanghai. They? I know that yeah. was a bit weird. It's it sort of swivelled. Yeah, down. we'll come back to that. I'm not quite sure what the thinking was there, and I, I haven't got any clarification on that. But um, but yeah, I mean the thinking's quite clear. You know, we've just we're in the UK now um, at, at the time we're recording this, which is 24th of September, I think. Um, we're just going through everyone shitting themselves over a second lockdown, and and the government saying that 
we can only get pissed till 10 o'clock yeah. and all that sort of thing. I love I mean, love some of the memes about... I saw one meme about... Uh, they said uh, the virus before 10 o'clock and it showed a normal gremlin. Do you remember the film Gremlins yeah, in the yeah. 80s? Yeah. And the virus after 10 o'clock and it showed the bad gremlin. <laughs> yeah, I think they should reverse that rule and make it... It opens at 10 p.m. until like... One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And won't bother. They'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, and then everyone's going to be so hung over the next day they won't leave the house anyway. Yeah. Job done. <laughs> Of course, we'll all die of liver cirrhosis, but <laughs> as long as it's not coronavirus. Um, and so we've got all this bullshit going on, which, you know, I'll put my cards on the table. I I'm now just think it's all bollocks. You know, when was it? Six months ago, whenever, March, when we were locking down, I was a bit like, OK, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. This is obviously a big deal. Um, then, you know, I just went along with it all. But now, you know, having seen... The numbers, like, you know, the fact that it overwhelmingly affects very old people and very immunocompromised people. Um, and 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 just seeing the, the, the really depressing effects economically, which is obviously relates back to this thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll revert back from the tangent. I just think the decision to lock down again, and then also looking at Sweden, which didn't lock down, and their mortality rate has not been exceptional. Yeah. Smaller country, though. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. There's, well, I there's a degree in which a like for like comparison doesn't really apply. But well, I think the interesting about Sweden is their mortality rate was quite high, wasn't it, compared to neighbouring countries at first when they were going through the let's just keep people going about their business to some extent. But now it seems they're lower than anybody in Europe. While we're yeah, all because a because they've got this is what I'm leading up to because they've got herd immunity. Yeah. Now I know I've, I know at the start I sort of. I sort of name drop that I did a microbiology degree, but I always stress that it doesn't count for anything. Herd immunity was always the wrong expression to use, isn't it? They should have well, said something like it is the correct clinical term, but yeah. for public but, consumption, but it sounds like you're looking at people as animals. So well, no quite, and that's how it. a lot of the media and sort of hysterical yeah. idiots like Piers Morgan yeah. treated it at the time. Yeah, but but herd immunity is clinical, clinical sense is what we've already got with other coronaviruses, yeah. which which cause like 25% of colds along with rhinoviruses and something else and obviously influenza yeah. and all something. It's just there. Well, you get it, but you're never going to get uh, a horrific spike because of herd immunity. Well, they're, 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 the interesting thing to me is they're pretty brutal in some instances, but we don't have all this commotion about it. So there, there was a bad flu. I think it was 2008. It was a few years ago. There was yeah. a really bad flu. Well, people still epidemic, going on about... Which passed me by, probably because I was in my 30s at the time, and I was more interested in news about like JP Morgan recovering from the financial crisis. Right. But 20,000 people died that year of the flu in the UK. It's quite hardcore, isn't it? And... Um, what are we in, uh, in terms of coronavirus at the moment? Forty-eight. So Thousands. yeah, it's higher. But yeah, it's... but you can't even trust that number because when you when you look at the government numbers they put up now, they put they put a number up, and they say people all people who died within twenty-eight days of testing positive for coronavirus, all yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. So you know the the cliche is you walk in front of a bus. But, you, but that still goes down as coronavirus. So there's just so much bullshit going on. Anyway. We should get to the news because he's going to shut us off. In a yeah, minute. yeah, he's yeah, going to yeah. shut us off. So, um, so anyway, just put my cards on the table there. I think, I think we should just let everyone go about the business and look after the old and vulnerable. Anyway, yeah. so, but obviously I'm in a minority, which is why the GSMA is having to make this decision about my World Congress. You're about to start a lockdown. Clearly the whole of winter is just going to be a write-off, Christmas cancelled, etc. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> I think they're right to assume that by the time you get to early March, it's still going to be a shit show. Yeah. Um, so they've put it off till the end of June. 
Which, which sounds like, I mean, end of June, Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean it'll be hot though, man. Yeah, it'll be it's properly nice. hot. There'll be air condition in there. I wouldn't worry about it because you aren't going to be going. <laughs> okay, well, go on then. I've I've just, I've bleated for a while. You, you, I mean, you I, think I, they're going to? I'm, I'm, I agree with you on a lot of the stuff you've said. Uh, that that uh, there's some overcaution, I think, and I think it's disappointing that these things are getting cancelled. You know, I mean, the trouble with NWC Barcelona is that while you can see an opportunity, I think, for smaller events and gatherings, and you know, you're talking about the most extreme thing imaginable, aren't you? It's like getting. Tens yeah. of thousands of people from all over the world into warehouses yes. with no windows. It's like if we could possibly create an environment dish. for yeah. coronavirus to spread. Shaking hands. That's the that's yeah. the, that is like the sort of extreme v- version of it. Therefore, you know, it's it's the last thing that's going to come back. Basically, yeah, it's the very last thing that's going to come back is that sort of thing. And I'm very sort very dubious that that. They've obviously looked at this and they've gone, there's no feasible way we can do this in March, but we'll be right in June. I I don't see it happening. Yeah, so I, I think... And I, I'd love it to happen. I'm not saying this yes. to try and be an arsehole about... No, I don't think an, any of us are. Event. I mean, you I, know, we're not... You know, we'll take a piss out of GSMA as per my supposed scoop back in the day yeah. um, when it's required. Um, but... Look, Mobile Congress is everyone's event. Yeah. It's not I mean GSMA are the people who trouser all that cash from it. Yeah. But everyone is everyone's wants event. That to happen as a networking event yeah. and as a reason yeah. to go out on yeah. the lash in Barcelona yeah. and all that sort of thing. I mean I, I do think there's a danger. I think whilst people like us and a lot of executives and certainly smaller exhibitors, I think, actually value it more than big exhibitors, that event. I think it's more important right. for small companies. Well uh, actually, some small companies throw like 50% of their marketing budget into For small it, so. companies, I think MWC is really crucial, actually, for a lot of small, mid-sized, maybe, I should say, rather than smaller companies. I, this, this is the danger I see with this not happening next, next year, having not happened this year, is that I think the big corporations, you know, the Ericsson's, the Huawei's, the Nokia's of this world and, and others, get they adapt to a world where the mega yeah. event doesn't happen. They do their virtual And they find they what? can do the stuff that they used to do. I mean, there's been a lot of 5G activity this year, even though MWC didn't happen. Yeah. You know, if you're a, if you're a company building a 5G on. network, you still need to get a core network vendor. Just because you can't meet someone and have dinner with them doesn't mean you're not going to sign a deal. You're going to yeah. have to sign a deal. So I just, I, this is the danger, I think, is that that event becomes seen as something we don't really need to do anymore. And because there's a lot of other... You know, there's the whole sort of Greta Thunberg, we shouldn't all be travelling around the world right. in planes as much anymore yeah. and having these big events that are probably quite environmentally unfriendly. And I just think there's a bit of a backlash anyway against a mega event. Maybe. And I, I worry about the future of the mega event. I think it could become something that just dies and becomes replaced by smaller events of the, of the, of the, of the kind that we... I was about to say, you're trying to get us sacked here, bro. <laughs> well, I only joking. In case you're wondering, we work for a company that runs events, but I was only joking. Uh, organizations do all sorts of events of all sorts of different sizes, though. I mean, the, yeah. I think NWC Bar- Barcelona is quite a unique event in terms, in terms of how of size. big it is. It's one hundred thousand. You know, people. I heard the other day the, that it accounts for six percent of the GDP of Spain or some shit exactly. like that. Exactly, and the, I think the only thing that compares to it is CES, maybe in in Las yeah. Vegas. Whereas a lot of the events that, that the company we work for puts on are actually small, and I do see a, a future for those. Yes. Definitely, I think those are the things that are more likely. And to they're going to have back. less scrutiny regarding, you know, let's say, well, I'm not going to name any informer events, but let's say you got an event that just takes up a couple of halls of the Excel. Yeah. No one's going to freak out about that as an epidemiological yeah. thing in the way they would Mobile World Congress with. I mean, 100, World, Mobile World Congress is people coming over from. I mean, at the time it was, I think, one of the 
things back in February, one of the worries was that half the half the people who come to it are coming from from China, and it was yeah. very much perceived as a Chinese virus to use. Then, sort back of in the day, yeah. at the time. So, I think. Well, it was. I mean, when it was when it was cancelled back in March, it was still all talking is, about but Wuhan. But it is literally everybody from all over the world coming to this one spot. In the yeah. whereas most events aren't like that. They're not. They're not that sort of multinational. They're not that big. Uh, they're not that crowded, even. I mean, you can't walk around the halls in Mobile World Congress without oh, yeah, rubbing you're constantly trying to dodge people. people. Yeah, and I, I think everybody. And what are they going to do? Try and get social it. distancing in there? Exactly. Give me a break. I mean, you must be like me. I come back every year. I feel slightly ill at the end of it. I've got some kind of cold that you probably picked I'm, up from someone. I'm normally just knackered. Yeah, well, yeah. And hungover. Yeah. And fatter. <laughs> not from the food, which is shite. In the fear of that is. Yeah. The food around the rest of Barcelona is lush. But we, but I do want it to happen. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to be. No, of course. Git. I, I think it's a brilliant event. It's, it's, it is good for network. And we want it it's all the more for not having had it last. And year. I really hope it happens in June. I'm just worried that it won't. I'm worried that it won't happen. So my, do you know, my gut feel is that it will. I think the circumstances are completely beyond the control of GSMA. I think if it happens, it wouldn't be. It's not going to be eight or nine halls. It'll be like three or four. Really? Why do you think that? I don't know. I think it'd be ambitious. You think they might just try and show some kind of compromise? <clears throat> I mean, I think I think you either do it or you don't, is my feeling. And so it really depends on the political and cultural climate at the time. And so we're going to have this next round of everyone shitting themselves over winter. And I just think the sheer economic imperative, I, you know, government's going to run out of cash to, to chuck at people for not working. Yep. Um... You know, if this June, July is anything to go by, it'll calm down, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, so I think they've given themselves the best chance possible. And I'm quietly optimistic that it will work. I it? hope you're right. And it's also, you know, not, the, not that it's our problem, but it'll be catastrophic for the GSMA's finances if it doesn't, because yeah. a lot of the eventual settlement they made after they cancelled um, this year's Mobile World Congress, which was a good settlement, but a lot of it was... In, towards incentivizing people to rebook for 2021. Yeah. So they're going to take another massive financial hit if that doesn't happen, which will be a drag for them, obviously. But yeah, that's my feeling. I like like you. I hope it will. Um, but unlike you, I just think that the world is going to maybe have finally just gone. Look, this shit isn't going away. We've well, just got the, to deal with there it. There might even be, even if that doesn't happen, there might be a vaccine. I mean, this is next June's yeah. next summer almost, and that's mm. when a lot of experts have said that's when we. I mean, all right, it's not going to be a minister to everybody by then, but maybe I'm, even the availability of one leads to some change in sentiment about this. I was actually chatting to someone at GSMA um, about the announcement, and we were off on the tangent of the vaccine. Yeah. My feeling is that, in a clinical sense, the vaccine won't be that significant. If you look at vaccines for other respiratory viruses like influenza, they're about fifty percent effective, something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, but we'll, at this point, we'll take that. Well, quite. Well, I was just leading up to that. But, mm. but in a political and psychological sense, being able to say there's a vaccine that has almost any level of efficacy will allow governments to go, all right, then, let's get on with things. Yeah. Mm. So, so I think that, you know, it might be nitpicking. Yeah. But I don't think the vaccine will, will be able to render people 
definitively immune. No, but, but it maybe, might give everyone the confidence with, with, to get with on with the their lives. They've got at the moment, which have already been shown to reduce mortality rates a lot when you, when yeah, you for end the up extreme in cases. plus the yeah. vaccine. If we can get this down to what they're estimating at the moment is about 1% of people, you know, fatality rate who, who get it. If it goes yeah, and down hardly to, anyone, even, even, if it goes even, to half a percent even or less. fat, unfit, middle aged people like me, I'm, I'm relatively low risk. Yeah. I'm not worried. I haven't been worried from the start. Only one way to find out. There we go. <laughs> All right, man. So we better wrap it up, isn't it? Because you've got... You got well, maybe not, actually. I don't know. No? You, you keep checking. The, <laughs> I yeah, don't... Apparently it's been moved. So. Oh, is it? Uh, okay. Oh, we can we can witter on. I mean, it's worth going on as long as possible, given we haven't done one for two months. Although I, I, I will need to go to the bathroom at some point. Yeah. After all this... Uh, 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 okay, well, no, no, there's no point in uh, artificially extending it. Um, yes, I think... I. One other thing that's worth dwelling on is the telecoms industry's durability throughout all this compared to others. Yeah. So we haven't got sacked yet, which is nice. Well, um, yeah, let's touch wood there. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I know lots of other industries, and obviously we're not strictly telecoms industry, we're media industry, but we're media industry that serves the telecoms industry. And um, I think the telecoms industry's done all right, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's held up pretty well. I mean, it's it's... There's been a decline in revenues for a lot of European operators, but it's not been, it's not been like Pretamonje having to yes. sort of sack half its workforce or whatever it's been. You know, I mean, they're they're in a, people still need broadband, they still need phones. You know, those are essential yeah. items. In fact, home working means you need your home broadband. We've connection never needed broadband more than so. Yeah. Telecoms, I think, and, and digital very and digital products as well. Yeah, I mean, if anything, they've you know gone up things like Zoom. And yeah. All that. Oh God, yeah. I mean, some but, companies will do very well out of this in our sector. You know, online online firms, a lot of them, e-commerce companies are obviously thriving. Uh, everybody's shopping through Amazon even more than they already did, or yeah, buying groceries through. And a like card looking or at looking at stock stuff that other big e-tailers have done well. Yeah, yeah. So there are people doing well out of it, but. Um, yeah, Unfortunately, and, they're, they're, the, they're the gits who are already pretty well already off, doing all right. <laughs> yeah, well, like nearly all the tech giants. I mean, there was it's fallen off in the last week or two, yeah. but there was a massive equity spike for all the tech giants. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, I mean, yeah, I mean the weird thing is this is not a particularly telecoms thing, but you know we're reminded how you know a lot of people don't realise what what wealth really is, what what money is. Yeah. And and wealth really is manifested as flow. It's you know you're you're on paper wealthy. Let's say you have got a million quid, all stashed in a in a mattress in notes. You're technically on paper wealthy, but you're not. But you don't actually experience that wealth until you spend that money. Yeah. So it's actually about the flow of money, not the accumulation of money. That's why protectionism and mercantilism and that sort of thing is misguided. And and what's happened when when we have things like this where we artificially stop the flow um you just realize that you know wow. it affects absolutely everyone it's funny you said artificial because it's nature that did it in the end <laughs> i know but we didn't have to succumb to it we yeah, didn't yeah. have to Not a chinese lab yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, uh. what's yeah that was an interesting <clears throat> one i think that's people that's all gone quiet though that, that angle hasn't it that it came out of a chinese lab yeah. well no Didn't, one knows no one really knows where it came from there's one theory that it's been dormant for years and it's climate change that suddenly released it into the atmosphere or something. That sounds like... Well, the thing that gets over on Twitchy is, is how often these novel respiratory viruses come from the Far East. They're just like, what's Did going on? You see the latest on? one on Bloomberg today about how it's mutating to um, uh, find, it, find its way around face masks and uh, hand washing. 
Which sounds bonkers to me. How does it find its way around fa- face masks and hand washing? What does it sort of... Can you can you project it into someone's brain by thinking loudly about them or something? That sounds like a bullshit story. It's agile now. Yeah, Yeah, it's It's got DevOps virus. It's open ran coronavirus. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm not even that excited by by um, hand washing and masks. Um, I think you know you wear a mask, it's going to come out the side. Yeah, there's some degree of protection against someone. Certainly, if they cough or sneeze, definitely Mm. there's a protection from a mask. But just general breathing, it's going to come out the side anyway. Um, You can't, you know, unless you're wearing some kind of you know proper gas mask or something. You're not going to be able to filter it out. And and hand washing, I was always skeptical about because most viruses are extremely fragile little things that that can only exist. They have to exist in water droplets. Um, And so yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're coming out of a toilet and someone's just used a door handle and it's still wet and you touch it, then definitely there's transmission yeah. potential there. But it's only going to last an hour or two yeah, yeah. in my very limited... Expertise, yeah. Yeah, expertise on the subject. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with telecoms. I, but I think it is worth reflecting on the fact that telecoms are doing all right. Um, and hopefully that will be a reason why Mobile Congress will happen. I'll drink to um, that. Yeah, life goes on. All right, man, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Cheers. Good to see you again, guys. Salute. We'll try not to keep you waiting for two months for the next one, patient audience. And uh, thanks for watching, and make sure you join us for the next one. <laughs>